This episode of the Productivity is Podcast is brought to you by Health IQ. Health IQ uses science and data to secure lower rates on life insurance for health conscious people like runners, cyclists, strength trainers, vegans, and more. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash Vardy. And now let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am your host, Mike Vardy, and this week on the show, Mary Lamia is on the show, and she is the author of the new book, What Motivates Getting Things Done. And it's new to me, it's probably new to you, but what's interesting is that the whole phenomenon of getting things done, the David Allen methodology, was new to her. She'd actually never read Getting Things Done by David Allen before she wrote this book. Now, Mary is a clinical psychologist and a psychoanalyst. She works with adults, adolescents, and preteens in her Kentfield, California private practice. And she's also a professor at the Wright Institute in Berkeley, California. Now, Mary really is into teaching the public about psychology of human behavior, and it's something she's been doing throughout her career is really passionate about. We dive deep into the motivations behind getting things done. Her, uh, you know, kind of philosophy or ideals behind that. And it's a really fascinating conversation. Let's just get into it. Here's my conversation with Mary Lamia here on the Productivityist podcast. I'd like to welcome Mary Lamia to the Productivityist podcast. Mary, thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Mike. So we, uh, I've got your book here, What Motivates Getting Things Done. And the funny thing is, is that I've read Getting Things Done before. I've had David Allen on the show. David and I have had a, a few conversations, but I like the, the what motivates part at the front of it. And the, the uh, subtitle is procrastination, emotions, and success. And, uh, what I want to, we, before we actually got into, uh, get into the show here, one of the things we did was we had a little bit of a, you know, a preface. I like to do that with all of my guests. And we you asked me if I believed I was a procrastinator. And I said, I'm not, not on, not on everything, but some things. And I mentioned that writing a, my, I've got my time crafting methodology that I teach. And the one thing that I haven't done, I mean, I've got the book in me, but I haven't written the book proposal. And that's what I've kind of been putting off, putting off. And you said, well, what did you say to me? I said, it doesn't seem like not writing a book proposal is procrastination. It's not truly being a deadline driven procrastinator. So, I'd like to hear why you think that is. We'll get right. We'll hit the ground running right here. (laughs) Analyze you on your program, Mike. But you know, and 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 I'm not sure that it falls into this category. But let me just say that I really separate out people who are deadline driven procrastinators from people who fail to get something done. Now, and are you telling me you're failing to get done your proposal Mm -hmm. or? Are you doing something else in the meantime that's more important, like writing the book? No, it's true. I mean, that's that. The, and you mentioned this in the book right off. The, you actually say, you know, you define procrastinators as people who are primarily motivated to complete tasks when their emotions are activated by an imminent deadline. They're deadline driven. And you're right. There's no deadline for me to get this book proposal done. In fact, there's no deadline for me to get the book done because there is no, I mean, it's it's driven by whatever I decide to do. Now, what's interesting, I guess, in that case is if I did have a deadline for that, 
I, I would, I would, I would not be, I would be making measured progress on it consistently because that's how I operate. I have the, my theme every day as a theme and, and I'm very good at, at, at doing that. I don't, I don't work by deadline as much. So can you talk a little now, bit about, wait a minute, wait yeah. a minute. Go ahead. There was a, there was a study yep. by procrastination researchers about how, what, what they did was they studied a bunch of undergraduates and they uh, wanted to see how these undergraduates were in, uh, what was it exactly? They didn't call anticipating a deadline or, or managing time, or it was more like how they manage their lives around a particular deadline and whether or not they got something done. And they, they hypothesized that, of course, the procrastinators would be bad at predicting uh time and getting something done when in fact the procrastinators were better than people who are non-procrastinators at doing so. And so they said, well, and this is what the procrastination research always does is they say, well, then it must be because there was a tangible deadline for these people, an absolute deadline. But how about when there's not an absolute deadline? Of course, procrastinators will fail. That's not true. Now, in terms of your book proposal, there's not an absolute deadline, correct? And right. so you're saying, well, if you had a deadline, then you would do it. But the highly successful people I studied had ways to create absolute deadlines when there were none. Mm -hmm. Every single one of them had little tricks to create an absolute deadline. For example, one uh, one graduate student would uh, make promises to her chair about when she was going to get something in. It was very, it was very, uh, matter of fact, you know, like next Wednesday, I'll have chapter one to you. It wasn't some big thing where she says, I'm a procrastinator and I need a deadline. So give me one, even though some procrastinators do request deadlines from people, but making a promise to another person, um, interjecting other things so that you have to get the thing done right away, challenging yourself in terms of time. So maybe what we should do is say, you have six hours to do your book proposal and you have to show it to me in two weeks or you have to show it to me next Saturday. Then you would get it done. Yeah, there's an, the accountability factor, the external accountability. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And, and so we create those absolute deadlines when there are none by doing those kinds of things. You can make a promise to your best friend that you're going to get this thing done in a week and you'll do it. Procrastinators don't fail at meeting deadlines that they create. Right. They're amazing at that. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what, I mean, you talk about task driven people versus procrastinate. Like it's, what's interesting is that my wife also read your book. Like we talked about it and she, she would define herself more as a procrastinator. And I would, we, I mean, she actually said you're more task driven. You like, for example, when I theme months that month, I have an overarching focus for that month. So for example, this month, the focus was working on the book, which funny is the book is being worked on, but the proposal isn't, um, <laughs> That's Again, which, okay. You know what? In that case, I think there's another issue here. What motivates us? What motivates us generally? Emotions motivate every single thing we do. 
They are a motivational system. And coupled with our cognitions, they create that system that helps us get things done. So you're writing the book rather than proposal because there's an emotion that activates you. That's interest and excitement. You're not interested and excited about writing a proposal. It must seem like just extra work for you. I mean, why not just write the book and send that yep. in? Yep. And you could do that. So unless you have an emotion that motivates you to do something, both positive emotion or negative emotion, you aren't going to do it. So it's okay that you're not writing that proposal. Good. So I don't have to get it to you by next Saturday is what you're saying. No, 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 no. <laughs> Managing passwords can be a real headache, right? Think about it. Every website requires a new password. Each one needs to be unique, secure, and somehow memorable. But there's a better way. Welcome to the world of 1Password, where your entire company can generate strong, unique passwords, store them securely, and access them across any device without ever needing a reset. Imagine never having to click Forgot Password again. With 1Password's award-winning design, managing passwords becomes a breeze for you and your entire team. It's trusted by millions, including top companies like IBM and Slack. Here's the best part. My listeners can try 1Password for free for two weeks. Right now, get your free trial at onepasswordcom slash Productive Convo. Secure your passwords and simplify your online security with 1Password. Starting an online business or expanding your physical storefront online has never been easier thanks to Shopify. This global commerce platform supports you at every stage of your business journey. From launching your online shop to managing a million orders, Shopify is there to simplify and accelerate your growth. It's not just about selling products. So Shopify helps you manage every aspect of your business with their all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system. But that's not all. Shopify helps you convert visitors into customers with the best converting checkout process on the internet, which performs up to 36% better than other platforms. And now a special offer for my listeners. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash timecrafting, all lowercase. Whether you're just starting out or looking to scale up, Shopify is the perfect partner for your business. Are you a small business owner struggling to find the right talent for your team? I've been there and I know how challenging it can be. That's why I recommend LinkedIn Jobs. It's not just any job board. It's a community where you can find professionals who are the perfect fit for your business, many of whom aren't checking other job sites. In fact, 70% of LinkedIn users aren't visiting other leading job sites, making LinkedIn your best bet for finding top talent. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can post your job and reach qualified candidates quickly. 86% of small businesses find a qualified candidate within 24 hours. And now... You can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation. That's right, for free. Don't miss out on finding top talent. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash conversation today. Terms and conditions apply. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it, and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. 
Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. So we're going to take a break from the podcast now to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Health IQ. Health IQ is an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com slash Vardy to support the show and get your free quote today. Now, spring is almost upon us in most of the world, most of the Northern Hemisphere now, and now's a great time to start getting healthy, not just to benefit you and your productivity now and in the long run, but also it can have a competitive advantage when it comes to getting life insurance. Now, Health IQ can save customers up to 33% because physically active people have a 56% lower risk of heart disease, a 20% lower risk of cancer, and a 58% lower risk of diabetes compared to people who are inactive. And 70% of Health IQ's exclusive rate clients get approved at the top rate class, and they're the fastest growing life insurance with over $5 billion in coverage. So now's the time to get started because life insurance companies calculate your policy rates based on your nearest age, not your actual age, and rates increase as you get older. So you want to lock in the best rate possible by getting a free quote today. So visit Health IQ to see if you qualify. Go to healthiq.com slash Vardy or mention the promo code Vardy when you talk to a Health IQ agent. I'd like to thank Health IQ for sponsoring this episode of the Productivity is Podcast. Now let's get back to the show. I want to talk a little bit about the idea of one of the things that I do with with time. And and I talk a, a lot about like binary decisions with with some of the people I work with is the idea that emotions and you talked about this and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this is the idea that um and this is not new stuff, but emotions can obviously, they can get kind of get in the way of us making progress, which you've talked a little, but they can also propel us towards progress, which you've also talked about. How how do each of these different, so task-driven people versus procrastinators, how do they treat those uh, emotions so that they work for them rather than against them? Because we talked a little bit about other people that talk about procrastination prior to the show. We'll get a little bit into that too. But how do they? How can you leverage those emotions in a way that works for you positively rather than have them affect you in a negative fashion? Well, the different task completion timing of successful people who procrastinate and those who don't has to do with when their emotions are activated and what activates them. Deadline-driven procrastinators are motivated to complete tasks when their emotions are activated by an imminent deadline. So they're deadline-driven. Task-driven people, when they are faced with uncompleted tasks, are compelled to do something right away. They're motivated by the tasks themselves. The tasks themselves create the stimulus that activates their emotion either positive or negative emotions that help them get things done. So I want to, what about distractions though? Cause they can get in the way too, like not just emote, but the 
is it in some cases the emotion that the distraction brings on or is it just the distraction in general because distractions are a big they can be the uh, uh, just as big if not a bigger roadblock towards progress as well right for both types of people a person's relationship with distraction is very important and i think we need to understand distraction a little bit better because we give distraction a negative spin don't we yeah i'm distracted so therefore that's bad Distraction is not necessarily bad. For example, with procrastinators, let's say a deadline for a project is coming up. It's kind of looming out there. They become activated emotionally. They may feel a lot of anxiety or uh, shame, anxiety, fear, fear, all kinds of things that activate them. It doesn't mean they're immediately going to attend to the project at hand. What happens is that when emotion begins to get activated in these deadline-driven procrastinators, they find all kinds of other things that they haven't done that they want to do. It might be the dishes. It might be researching biking expeditions. It might be just cleaning up. It could be anything. But they would say they're distracted at that time. And it's not a bad thing. What What's happened is that their emotions are activated, so they get done all kinds of things that need to get done. And then when the deadline is very close, they're activated to get down to the task at hand. So in a way, the distract, distraction is serving a very important purpose, which means that they are activated emotionally and they get a lot of things done during that time. Now, task-driven people uh, tend to be distracted in their own way. They are constantly distracted by tasks that have to be complete. So if they walk into the house and their intent is to go and pay bills, they might see a pot that, uh, a plant that needs to be repotted. (laughs) They might see dust on the floor. They might see all kinds of other things that need to get done or put away. And they get what they call distracted by those things. It's not a bad thing if they understand that they are activated emotionally by every task that is left uncompleted. So we call it distraction. But is it really distraction? No, it's emotional activation that makes us pay attention. The beauty of emotion is that they are, emotions are attention-directing devices. Biologically, they're built into us to direct our attention to what we need to take care of, whether it's a saber-toothed tiger at the you know, opening of the cave or whatever it happens to be, emotions direct our attention. They make us pay attention and take some action. That's why they're made. I mean, we that's why we have them. Evolutionarily speaking, emotions are beautiful because they wake us up. When I talk about productivity, and I love this, by the way, because it's, it's so... Um, I often say that there's a difference between distractions and disruptions as well. Disruptions are kind of distractions you can, in in a manner of speaking, so you were talking about how the task-focused person walks in the house, they see the plant that needs to be potted. In, in my instance, I look at that and go, okay, not right now. 
I've set aside a time to do that, which would be Saturday, which is my household slash family day. I've already chronicled it. So I use a to-do list to do that or an app or whatever. It does, I mean, it, for me, I use an app in, in particular. I'll capture it, get it out of my head, put it where it needs to be, assign it for that particular period of time, not a specific time, but obviously a Saturday. I don't know when on the Saturday I'll do it necessarily at that point in time, but it's out of my head and move forward. So therefore it's no longer a distraction. You're an amazing test-driven person because what you've been able to do is put aside getting something done by scheduling it. Right, right. And and I think that that when I when I talk about this stuff, I have a lot of people that are they they live and die by the calendar, every moment of the calendar. And my concern with this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, is that if you hyper schedule yourself, and I, I see this happen quite a bit, is where people will schedule every moment of the day, they leave no room for these these things to show up that might quote derail or even delight them in a manner like what when you look at at someone who uh, is basically taking account and 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 I'd love to hear your thoughts on this obviously is, is taking account or taking stock every moment of the day must be accounted for do you find that to be um, do, do you find that to be problematic or do you find it depending on how they handle it to be a, a blessing. Now, what what you're referring to, I think, is more cognitive than emotional. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And certainly cognition, which is purposeful thinking and action, is pretty critical for organizational and information processing aspects of our lives. And, you know, it it speaks to David Allen's uh, GTD approach. Yep. Yep. And it's very purposeful. It's very, very cognitive. So emotion is actually what motivates our efforts in that regard. Even if we create all kinds of things cognitively, it's emotion that motivates us. Otherwise, you don't have the motivation to do something. I mean, you may have it all scheduled and you may feel secure in that. But you have to have some interest or excitement or anxiety or shame or fear or curiosity or something that propels you forward. Right. Otherwise, your life would be pretty boring, and it would just be a series of tasks that you're doing without any emotional energy in it, without any without any life. You would take the life out of it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I I, I I focus on, and I think that that a lot of people they don't take this into account either, is the the level of energy that they have when they're tackling tasks or when they're tackling anything is that they tend to work sequentially or they tend to not, they, they tend to think about what can I do where I am again, classic getting things done context. Where am I right now? What can I do where I am right now? Or here's this project I'm supposed to work on. Let me work on this, but they don't always take account energy. You know, how am I feeling right now? Do I have a lot of energy? Do I have very little energy? Oh, I'm so glad you mentioned that because you know, even the, the, really effective personal organizational system that uh, GTD uses is geared toward managing stress, distraction, and anxiety. And and David Allen says it's, it's activated by ineffective organization. But it's very useful to understand what emotional states of stress or anxiety actually represent and when they might be useful and what alleviates them. So You know, David Allen claims that in productive states, we're not stressed out. We have a sense of being in control and we're focused and time tends to disappear, etc. Why is that the case? Because when we're highly focused, 
we do not experience stress as distressing. The experience of feeling stressed or stressed out uh, simil- is similar to what we refer to as anxiety, results when the emotions of distress and fear are activated together or triggered in rapid succession. So generally we feel distress as agitation or annoyance or tension. It's unpleasant. We say we're stressed out. But we're motivated to anticipate what's going to go wrong and try to solve the problem effectually when we feel that way. Our body is preparing us for action. The tension we feel serves us because it's directed toward action that will alleviate the stress, like focusing on a system of certain behaviors to manage priorities, for example, like GTD does. Um, But when you're highly, highly focused in that way, you don't necessarily feel stress. People talk about it in terms of being in the zone. Yep. There's a high associated with hyper-focused attention and getting something done in a timely way, whether you're task-driven or deadline-driven. And so I, I have to disagree with his notion that we want to manage stress and distraction and anxiety as though they're bad things. What we want to do is we want to focus our stress and anxiety. And highly successful people are great at doing that. They are hyper-focused. Task-driven people, you know, you talk to them about what they do with their stress and they say, when I'm really activated, I get so many things done and it almost feels like a high. Mihaly Csikszentmihalyi talks about this in flow, you know, the idea of when you're in, yeah. And that's always been my issue with, with, with getting things done as well is the idea that, uh, you know, you, you should be, um, it's very, it's, it's almost, uh, tactical and technical where, you know, it, 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 I wouldn't say it eliminates the humanism to some, but it definitely downplays it because oh, it eliminates it, the heart yeah. of what motivates us to get things done. And and when you think about it, I mean, if we just take stress or anxiety, you know, why is it that some people, when they are feeling anxious and stressed out, feel terrible, and other people are feeling like they're in the zone? You know, part of it is recognizing that. Anxiety, a negative emotion, uh, is arousal congruent. I mean, it's the same as excitement in some way, a positive emotion. So rather than suppress what you feel or try to calm yourself down, if you could reappraise your anxiety as excitement and really focus your attention you'll have an elevated mood and you can get a lot done and feel really good. I mean, that's when you feel like you're in the zone. We're going to end things here because I've got bonus material for, for the members of my community, but you, this book is not, here's the thing is this book is a, a really good read and it's not a lengthy one. 
but it's a deep one. Like it's, it's, and I'm not going to say it's a tough read, but it's a deep one. And I suggest that anyone listening right now go to, you can go to Amazon, obviously pick it up. What motivates getting things done by Mary Lamia. Mary, thanks for joining me today on the show. I really appreciate this. And we've got more coming up in the bonus episode for members, but where else can people find you online other than picking up your book? They could look at my website, marylamia.com. That's M-A-R-Y-L-A-M-I-A.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Mike. Told you it was a fascinating conversation. And I'd really like to thank Mary for joining me on the show this week. Lots of stuff in the show notes. And I really encourage you to pick up this book, What Motivates Getting Things Done. It's really, really cool. And and I love um, the fact, again, that she had no GTD background. Like it wasn't something that, and and what's funny is when I prepared for the interview, I had no idea that that was the case. And you'll hear more from her. If you are a member of the productivityist community, head over to productivityist.com slash membership. If you're not already, and you can learn how to make that happen because it's not just bonus content with her. There's lots of other material, basically a bonus episode of the podcast every single week. And then there's other goodies that are going to be thrown in there as well. So I encourage you to check that out. Productivityist.com slash membership. Uh, So again, big thanks to Mary for joining me this week on the show. Again, a a great conversation. Big thanks to Jim Woods and Claire, uh, my assistant, for putting together all the show notes and doing all that stuff to make this episode ready to go in terms of what you see. But what you hear, that's all John Polstra, the producer of the show. And of course, big thanks to you for listening, for turning up week in and week out. And if you're not turning in week in and week out, then you can subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify now. We're, of course, an Apple podcast. You can find the show pretty much anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. So again, I encourage you to subscribe and then leave a rating and or review, preferably both if you can, uh, just so that we can help learn more about what you'd like to see happen with the show. We've had a lot of downloads to this point. We want to have a lot more and we strive to make the show better and better every time we put an episode together. So again, thanks for listening. Uh, I will be back next week with a shiny new episode along with the rest of the gang. Until next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast and founder of Productivityist, reminding you to stop guessing and start going. 